0: church. We're glad you're here. You know, I I think that church ought to be a place that we enjoy coming to. I don't think it ought to be a place that it's a a drudgery to get up and come to church. I I think it ought to be a place that uh, when I come to church that I not only enjoy it, but that I feel like there's a freedom to worship the Lord and to give Him praise and honor. You've got to remember this morning that I honestly believe that the woman who had the issue of blood, you've heard us talk about and tell that story many times, the woman who who came to Jesus, and we're not going to preach there, but I want to share this with you. When she came to Jesus, you've heard it said, you've heard preachers say it, pastors say it, that she pressed in. And she basically had said in her mind that if I could just get two, the Bible says the, hen, the hem of his garment, or the fringe or the edge, if I could just touch that, if I could get there, I know that what I need, I would receive. I, I would be healed. Can I tell you today that you may have come into this house and you may be under the weights and the pressures and I know that many of us at times feel those weights and pressures you say how pastor you can get on social media and just read news feeds I was telling somebody the other day all you have to do is just read news feeds and you can see where uh, people feel like they're under this weight and sometimes even under oppression but I still stand on the word of God that declares that Jesus Christ he that the son is set free is free indeed I'm not in bondage to any man I'm not in bondage to anything I'm not living under the weight of anything else. That everything that I'm dealing with in life, that I serve a God who is big enough to overcome it in my life. He didn't bring me in to leave me here. He brought me here to bring me through. And I believe that's what he'll do for you too. It's the same Jesus. Come on, somebody. It's the same Jesus that did miracles. That did miracles. I still remember, Elisha, you standing here singing and preaching and talking about a year of miracles. And can I tell you that the enemy wants you to believe that it's not going to happen, that it won't happen, that you're too far gone, that the year's too far gone. Can I tell you, God doesn't work in your time and he doesn't work in my time, that he's got his own schedule, and I still believe that I serve a God who's able to work the miracles in his time. And I believe that, amen, and he's going to today, amen. So before I get to preach too much preaching, I really am going to try to teach this morning, which is something that I I do, and I have asked the Lord to help me with because I every time the guy said every time I want to every time I want to teach the preach comes out. You know what I'm saying? It is there. So I want us to join. I want you to go to the Word. It's going to be on the screens this morning. We're going to give you a lot of scriptures. We're going to give you some pictures. Uh, everybody like pictures of you know when you're a kid. You know I I did if I you know didn't want to read it, you just looked through the pictures, right? Just read, look at the picture, so I'm going to give you some pictures this morning. Would you stand, I know, one more time. I'm going to read this key scripture to you. We're going to dig into this. I'm going to do a hit and run this morning because there's a really a lot of information. We've been in prayer, and we're going to share for those of you uh, uh, that have been coming. They know what I was going to teach and preach on this morning, but I want to share with you about that this morning. Ephesians 6 and verse 18, i want to read this one verse. I'm actually going to read it from the... the uh, God's Word translation, because I like how it gives that, and I want to just share it with you this morning. It says, Ephesians 6.18, it says, Pray in the Spirit in every situation. Somebody say every situation. That doesn't mean some situations. That means every situation. That means before I make the major decisions and the small decisions. If it concerns me, it concerns God. Is anybody on the page with me this morning? He said, in every situation, pray. Why? Use every kind of prayer, or use uh, every kind of prayer, meaning that there are different prayers for different things that you pray for in your life. The easiest way that I know to tell you this, you don't go into a football game carrying a baseball bat. You're going to get ejected. And in prayer, there are certain types of prayer that will be used, and we'll sometimes hear people praying, God, if it's your will to heal me. Well, I'm going to tell you, it is God's will. I know that because I've read his word. It is God's word. It is God's will. It isn't a question of that. So, in every, look at this. Use every kind of prayer and request there is. Let's pray. Father, we ask you for the next few moments, help us to lean in. Help us to hear your word. Father, we pray, God, that you'll give me, uh, Lord, the words that I have studied and words, Lord, that... Father, you want to speak to your people, God, that we can leave here today knowing that we've heard the word, we received it, Father, into our spirits, and God, that it was something that we needed this morning, uh, Lord, to be able, and we could apply it in our life. Lord, we thank you for this, we praise you for this, and we ask it in Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. You may be seated. Pastor Matt Carpenter came last week, we had him scheduled to come here and he spoke on the subject of prayer, and he talked about the different types of prayer. He did talk a little bit about that. And so, what I want to do today is I want to take uh, for you and give you a model of prayer. I preached about this a couple of years ago, maybe about a year and a half ago, not this message, but the prayer on the Lord, on the Lord, what we call the Lord's prayer, where the disciples said, "Teach us to pray," and why he gave that model prayer, why that model prayer was giving, and we went through that. So today what I want to do is to show you a model that Jesus, uh, uh, the, not the model that Jesus gave in that pray, but the model that Jesus said. when you, He said, here are ways to pray. To be honest with you, honestly and truthfully, if you dig into the Bible, there are prayers that are found, but there are not a lot of prayers that are found. Go study it. Go look at it uh, for yourself. And here's the thing I want you to understand. I'm going to be very transparent with you today. I'm going to teach more than I preach. So if you came and you really want to hear me yell, run, scream, sling, sweat, four rows, that may not all happen this morning, but I hope that you get this in the next few minutes. I'm going to give you a lot. Hang in there. Dig in there. If you take notes, this would be a good time to do that. My story is this, real quickly. I I came to the Lord at nine years old. I was nearly within six months of being ten. My family had no church experience whatsoever. My dad, uh, many of you know the story of my dad, who is now passed on and went on to be with the Lord. In that story, I was the first one in my family, my immediate family, to give their heart to Jesus. Nobody else had went. When we went to church, they sent us on a bus to the Baptist Church to get Vacation Bible School. When we went, and we made popsicle sticks and things like that, and. They taught us about Jesus and thank God for the Baptist folks because a lot of us wouldn't be where we are if it wasn't for those people because they did well a lot of things Pentecostal people didn't do well. And I can say that because I am one. And I was raised in a Pentecostal church, and uh, that was where we got saved. I'm thankful for my upbringing, and so I heard a lot of prayers. I heard a lot of different types of prayers. I've seen a lot of different types of pray. I heard every kind of prayer from uh, small prayers to loud prayers to low prayers to loosing prayers and binding prayers. Come on, somebody. Prayers in tongues. Amen. Eloquent King James prayers. I heard all kinds of prayers and really as a child almost became intimidated because I didn't feel like I could ever pray like any of those things. I didn't feel like I was able. Anybody ever been in one of those Sunday school classrooms where they, the Sunday school teacher said, we're going to pray? And you were a kid and you thought, we are? And you thought, okay, they're going to lead the prayer and I'm going to be good with them leading the prayer. And then they said these magical words, let's join hands in a circle. Anybody been in that Sunday school class? Uh-huh. And, and so we join hands in a circle and they'll say this thing this gets me every time I'm going to lead it out and I want you guys and I thought dear Jesus and they always, I always ended up at the tail end of it at the tail end of the prayer and what you did you hold hands and when you hold hands the way you knew that you were supposed to pray was they would squeeze your hand and then it would y'all been in that same Sunday school classroom they get to me I'm out of material I don't know what to pray anymore I don't know what to say. I just want to squeeze the next person's hand and let it go on around. I don't know what to pray. I felt intimidated by prayer. And I grew up a lot of my, in my teenage years and a lot of even into my adult years that I thought prayer had to be a difficult thing, but I want to tell you that I have learned and I believe that prayer ought to be something that the church enjoys and it shouldn't be a drudgery and it ought to be something that we come before the throne room of God boldly because we're children of the Most High God and that He loves us and He cares about us and He's concerned about your needs and He's concerned about your prayer life and He just wants you to climb up in His lap and talk to him I I believe that one word is better than no word I believe that something is better than nothing when it comes down to just saying father I thank you I used to start out just about every prayer saying Lord Lord and he is Lord but the more that I learned that he is my Abba father he is my father and that I can climb up into his lap when I'm hurting Come on, somebody. When things aren't good, and he wraps his arms around me and loves me, let me tell you something. That's the kind of father that I have, and I'm thankful for that this morning. So I want you to understand. I want you in this next few weeks as we're talking about prayer to become more comfortable in your prayer time, not to get so quiet that you're too quiet, but to become more comfortable, to understand that there is types of prayer, there are kinds of prayer. We don't want to fall into a routine where we don't enjoy prayer and we just stop praying. Can I tell you that Stop praying is a dangerous thing for a believer. And there's two places in my life that I have found in the past now 40 something years of being in church that I find myself drifting and those two places are this one when my bible becomes dusty and two when the altar becomes empty and then it's when I find that my life gets off track. Come on somebody. And I believe that's fine for that's true for a lot of us today. So as i become an adult, I've realized that, look, God has some things. There's things in the Bible that he wants to show us about prayer. And so this morning, I want to go and I want to talk to you about something called the tabernacle prayer. I cannot tell you that every bit of this is mine today. I'm going to tell you that I borrowed some of this, and I believe that's all right today. We, we've been blessed uh, in the past uh, few weeks. We've been, actually, Beth and I have been using this for some time. It's called the Pray First Prayer Guide written by Pastor Chris Hodges. Many of you know him. You're familiar with him. His pastor, uh, uh, Brother Larry Stockstill, uh, helped him guide him into that. We They blessed us with these when we were at Grow. We were able to give them out to you. We've offered them at prayer. We want to offer them to you. We want you to make them personal to you. And so I want to share with you from some of this today and just give you some of this so that you can leave here and understand what what prayer is all about and if you'll remember when Moses is leading the children of Israel out of the wilderness he's leading roughly about four million people out of the wilderness to out of Egypt to the promised land you know how the story starts You know how they began on a probably two-week journey, if we understand it right. And they ended up in this wilderness, and they're basically just circling. Matter of fact, they're just rounding around and around. And they could have been there in a very short time. The Bible says that it took them about 40 years. Well, during that time, the way the Lord led them was a pillar or a a pillar of fire by day and a cloud by night. Is everybody with me? That's, that's how they knew to keep moving. That's how they would watch. They knew that's where the Lord was. Now, you got to understand why it was that way. In the Old Testament, God wrote his laws, gave to us his scriptures or his law on stone tablets. He dwelled mostly in buildings. Are you with me? Today, God writes his laws on our hearts. Are you with me? And He lived, And he lives inside of us. He doesn't live inside this building. He makes his sanctuary inside of us. That's why we need to have this temple clean. That's why we need to have it cleansed. Are you with me? And so while the children of Israel are moving through the wilderness, they're really setting up what we would understand today as a portable church. They're putting up a tent because they were moving with this cloud and by this fire but when they stopped, they would set up this portable tent or this portable uh, tabernacle, if you will, and they would uh, that's where they would worship at. Let me take you to Exodus 25, verses 8 and 9. Let me read those to you. It says, Have the people of Israel build me a holy sanctuary so I can live among them. You must build this tabernacle and its furnishings exactly according, look at this, to the pattern, everybody say pattern, that I will show you. Now, this, what this is saying is simply this, that he wanted them to have a place that he could dwell in, a place that he could come and live among them, and that's exactly what God wants to do in us. God wants to live in you. He wants to live, are you with me? He wants to live in you to living you, and the pattern of the tabernacle was built and can serve as the steps in your life to the better prayer life that you need to have, the better prayer life that I need to have. It's one way. It's not the only way. It is one way. So as you can see, I want to share with you this next uh, picture real quick. This is one of the best ones that I could find. I do what everybody else does. I went online to find it. Are you with me? And this tent or this tent here is rectangular in shape you're going to see a few objects that are on the inside. Now, I have not done a complete study on the dimensions of all of it, but there are some things on the inside of it that are very important. There are things on the smaller rectangle that you can't see that are hidden that we're going to share with you a little bit about those in a few moments. And I want to share with you about what's there. The smaller tent on the backside held what was called or is known as the Ark of the Covenant. Everybody say the Ark of the Covenant. Y'all going to have to help me or we won't get to the buffet. Amen. The Ark of the Covenant. Amen. Brother Michael said, I ain't going anyway. Don't worry about me. Amen. Uh, the Ark of the Covenant, some of you that watch some of that, uh, what was it, two lost, Raiders of the Lost Ark or something like that may know a little bit about what that is. But on that, in that uh, place there was a cherubims or two angels that were set over this place called the Mercy Seat. Everybody say the Mercy Seat. The mercy seat was where God met with men. That's what happened there. And there was only a select few that could even go in. The people couldn't even go there. We parked this morning in our parking spot. And me and Bethany, my wife, are sitting here talking about, it. nobody's in the parking lot, we're talking about it. She said, Tony, do you know how blessed we are this morning? I said, I know how blessed I am. She said, we were able to come into this place. We didn't have to set up a portable church to be here. We didn't have to come in and try to figure out where to put an altar. We didn't have to drag a bull or a ox for a sacrifice, come on somebody. We didn't have to go through all of the rituals that a lot of them had to go We're so blessed because we walk into a building that's air conditioned, come on somebody. And we come here and, and the music is ready and everybody's ready to go, ready to worship and we hear the word of God and we're able to leave here and we know that we've been blessed and we had not had to go through a lot of the things that these people had to go through when they did this portable tent and they set it up, are you with me? So they had to go through these steps, and that's what I want to take you through. They had to go through six steps or six pieces of furniture in order to get where they were. Now, the tent is the actual white-looking sheets that are around the outside. On the inside, you're going to see three things, and I'll share with you what they are. But when the ultimate place, the ultimate place that they wanted to get to was that Ark of the Covenant or that mercy seat. And that's where God would speak face-to-face. He'd speak face-to-face with the priest that would come into there. He would speak face-to-face with Moses. Look at what Exodus 33 and 11 says. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face-to-face as one speaks to a friend. What would happen... If you and I, in our prayer time, would experience the Lord speaking to us as a friend. In other words, we just come in, sit down, and we have a conversation we talk and a friend I believe that's what God really wants to do in our life I believe that's what Jesus was talking about he wasn't he wasn't you say well that was the Old Testament pastor he doesn't want that for us today I thought that that was something that was done away with no Jesus said in Matthew 5 and 17 don't think that I've come to abolish the law of the prophets I have come not to abolish it but I've come to fulfill them you know what Jesus is saying Jesus is saying look there some steps that are still in order for you to take in your prayer life. I didn't want to just do away with that but I want to show you I want to give you those steps so what is the, what is it? I believe that God wants us to move in to a place and the first place is the outer court and that place is called a place to give God thanks And really all you need to remember this morning, you don't even need to remember the outer core. You just need to remember to give thanks. Let me give that to you. Let me break it down. We came in here this morning. We come in here every day during the 21 days of prayer. And the first thing we do is worship and give some thanks to God. I don't come in. A lot of people come into the presence of God and they put their head down and they hang it down and they say, Lord, I'm sorry. Forgive me. That's not how you need to start your prayer out. Come on, somebody. Lord, I I messed up. I made a mistake. That isn't what he's looking for. When they would into the outer court the first thing they did was give God thanks a lot of times we come into the we come into the church we come into a place of prayer and we give God this to-do list and we 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 ask God for what we want and we go into that thing but God really Listen, God wants you to thank Him for what He's already given you. We are always asking for more, and what we really need to do is thank Him for what we've already got. So the first thing we need to do in prayer is just thank Him. Hey, Lord, I thank you today for this day. I'm going to challenge you. Thank God for something you have not thanked Him for. I said, thank you for something you haven't thought to thank you. Listen, there are things that you can think about. I'll be, I'll be praying and sometimes I'll be standing in front of a window in our house and I'll see a bird that'll light and I'll say, Lord, I thank you for the birds because they remind me that I don't have to worry today. You said in your word that the, that the birds, that you took care of them, they don't even they don't sow or reap, but you take care of them. Lord, I thank you today for the bird that reminded me that you're a big God. You know my need before I ever ever ask it, you're going to supply it. But right now, I'm not asking you for one thing. I just want to thank you. You know what gratitude does? Gratitude turns what you have into enough. When you think you don't have enough, it turns what you have into enough. Look, don't go into prayer and treat God like some kind of sanctified Santa Claus because he's not. Don't give him your list when you've not even stopped to thank him for one thing he's already done. Psalms 104 says this, enter into his gates with Thanksgiving, come on somebody, and into his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name. I'm going to tell you, tomorrow in our prayer time when we come, we're gathered here at 6 in the morning. The first thing we're going to do is enter into a time of thanksgiving. We're going to give him thanks before we do anything else. So the first thing you do is give him thanks. The next place they came to was a, the place called the outer court. In the outer court. If we we we're not going to go back to the peak, but there was a small looks like altar there. And uh, as they came to that place in that into that altar, they would come or they did come to a, what was called the brazen altar. And in, in this place, this is the place that if I'm not careful, I'll spend a lot of time. But I really need to get this across to you. When they came to that place in the brazen altar, after they would leave that, there was always listen to this blood and dead animals. The reason for that and the reason that is that way is because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. It, you cannot be bought back. Your sins cannot be forgiven. They cannot be paid for without the shedding of blood. Are you with me? Are you on that? So when they came in the Old Testament, Jesus, had he, he had not come on the earth. So they would bring their sacrifices. They would put them on the altar. They would be sacrificed. But here, what I want to tell you. The first thing they would do is they would have... Have to walk past this blood. They would have to walk past this place and be reminded. Come on, somebody of of their sins. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Here's, listen to this, before we can go on, before we can do anything else, here's what I believe this means to us. You and I, in our prayer life, need to walk past the cross. That's what the brazen altar represents to me. We need to focus on the cross. we we got them hanging around our necks. we got them put in our, in our foyers. We've got them put in our houses. And we look at them as nice ornamental things. But can I tell you, there was some gruesome things that happened on the cross. And Jesus did that to pay for your sins and to pay for my sins. He paid the debt. He paid the bill that you and I owed. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? What you could not do for yourself, he did for you. Come on, somebody. He did it for you. The sins and the trespasses that were against you. So why this brazen altar? Because it represented what would come in the New Testament. Are you with me? The only reason that you and I can speak about coming boldly before God is because of what Jesus did on the cross. We have really no right to come before God. Are you hearing me? That's why no man can come to the Father except through the Son. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? There's a lot of people that want to bypass Jesus. I don't know if I'm going to be able to get all this in, but I'm going to tell you that. They want to bypass Jesus. They want you to come to a ball game and pray and don't say the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. They want you to bypass the name name of Jesus but I just come by to tell you as a chubby little fat Pentecostal preacher you cannot get to the father without going through the blood of his son are you hearing what i'm telling you you can't go to a shinto shrine you can't kneel down come on somebody to some buddha you cannot do any of those things you have to go through his son jesus christ who was with god in the beginning he will reign with god are you hearing what i'm telling you you need to pass By the cross and remember the blood that was shed for your sins, your salvation, your sanctification, your healing. And remember that the blood, come on somebody, the blood, mm, come on, the blood. You say this is a gory gospel, pastor. Can I tell you something? We had a Jesus that loved us so much that he wouldn't let us die in our sins. Romans 5 and 6 says that while we were utterly helpless. One's translation said that while we were yet sinners, Christ came at the right time and he died for us. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? When we could not do anything for ourselves, Jesus did that. So before I would ever need to do or ask anything else, I need to remember a few things. I love this. I love this because when we think about the cross, we don't always think about this, that Jesus was whipped, he was crowned, he was nailed, and he was speared through his heart for everything that I would do. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Listen to me, church. Hear me, young people. This isn't a fairy tale that somebody made up. This is the truth. This is the word of God. You and I would be hopeless and helpless without what Jesus did at the cross for us. Are you hearing me? Listen to what Isaiah 53 and 5 says says, but he was pierced for our transgression. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace. And, man, this really lands on me right now. I, don't, I know a lot of people right now looking for peace, want peace, was on him. And by his wounds, we are healed. I read about the transgressions, and I recognize today that the transgressions are the things that I've done. But the iniquity is who I've become. My attitude, my anger, my bitterness, all the stuff that I got jumped up in my life. Can I tell you something? Jesus went to the cross for me. He went to the cross. He took this upon himself. Jesus was pierced to the heart so your heart could be whole. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? Jesus took the punishment upon his head. The crown of thorns was pressed on his head so that you could have peace in your head. Come on, somebody, and in your heart. Jesus took all my fears. He took my anxiety. He took my stress. He did that so I don't have to live with it. Aren't you glad for what Jesus did? By his wounds you are healed. Can I tell you, by his wounds you are healed not just in your body, but I believe it's in your emotions. I believe it's in your relationships. Yes, he can and will heal my body. But Jesus' blood, bottom line, was shed for me and he was shed for you. I need to take time. I don't need to just run past the cross, but I need to remember it and thank him for what he done. Come on, somebody. Come on, give him praise. The next thing that would come up and the next thing you would pass, the next piece of furniture. This is the best I could find. (laughs) It's called the laver. It's a big washing bowl. It's what it is. The unique thing about this washing bowl is the more that I read about it, like water reflects as a mirror, the, the bowl was designed so that it would reflect your face, that you would see yourself. You would look when you looked into the bottom to wash yourself, you would see your face. And this is the place that you begin to wash yourself and offer your life to God. The laver simply means this I'm offering myself to the Lord. I have become, Lord, I'm giving you my life. What does that mean? I'm going to tell you real quick. This is something I pray every, just about every day. I just about don't miss this. When I start praying, we've shared this with you a little bit in here. In the last few months, I begin and I start at the top of my head. And I just start working down. I'm washing myself. Are you getting me? I'm washing myself. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I'm setting a guard. Read Ephesians 6. Some of you need to read Ephesians 6. Come on, you need to read that and refresh yourself. I set a guard over my mind. I set a guard over my ears, over my mouth. I offer myself as a sacrifice to the Lord. Well, I thought you said Jesus was a sacrifice. He was. Hang with me. Hold with me. I asked the Lord, Lord, keep my mind help my mind to be in perfect peace today, I set it upon you I don't listen to everything that the world is saying, Lord I'm not, I don't want because I'm going to tell you right now, we got a lot of stuff going on, and there's a lot of things that will mess up your peace if you let it come on somebody, so I set a guard over my mind, I say Lord let my mind be set on you, I pray over my eyes I say Lord these eyes are for you today, Job said don't let me look on, Lord I make a covenant with my eyes, not to look on a maiden lustfully I like how he said that, basically he set a guard over his eyes Lord don't let me see anything Lord that would bring reproach upon your kingdom then he would say Lord my ears I pray over my ears Lord help me to hear your voice help me to turn off the frequency of the, of the, uh, uh, of the world help me to turn down John 10 turn down the voice of the stranger I'm not. I know the good shepherd I want to hear his voice I want to hear what he's got to say not what the enemy keeps bombarding me with and telling me because if I listen to that come on somebody long enough I set a guard over it. My mouth, Lord, let my mouth be used. Let my mouth, Lord, be used to lift up and honor people, honor you and to add values for others. Pastor, why in the world would you do that? Well, I hope to pray that at some point that I've used my mouth to add honor and to add value to others. But I'm going to tell you this. If you can use your mouth, the very thing that you can use well, the enemy can try to pervert especially my mouth. Why? Because when you're good at it, the devil will try to pervert it. Are you hearing what I'm telling you? I have to use my mouth to lift up others, not to tear them down. According to Ephesians 4 and 29, Lord, I also pray over my hands. Let these hands be lifted up to you in worship. Let them meet the need of somebody else. Lord, my feet, I pray over my feet, God. I pray, God, that my steps are ordered of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit leads and guides me, that every 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 appointment that I have today. Every person that I meet today God. You're leading me. You're taking me where I need to go. Lord I pray this. Pastor where do you get that? Glad you asked. Romans 12 and 1 said therefore I urge you brothers in the view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Can I tell you this today? God is not interested in dead animals anymore but he wants you. I said he ain't interested in dead animals anymore. He paid the price for you. Come on somebody. Amen. Amen. I got to move on or I'm not going to get done. Amen. The next place was this candlestick. It was inside the smaller tent that you can't that you could just see the outside of the tent but you couldn't see inside of it. Here's the best picture I could give you. It represents the power. It represents the fire. It represents the leading of the Holy Spirit. That's what it was about. That's what this candlestick was. It is to invite the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. At this point in my prayer time, I began to ask the Holy Spirit to lead me, to guide me. Why? Because I can't operate without His gifts. Oh, I can try, but I always end up in trouble when I start on my own I always end up in trouble why i need to, I need the gift giver come on somebody I need the giver of these gifts to help me I need the wisdom to know how to lead my family I know how I need the wisdom to know how to lead myself come on somebody I need the wisdom I need the wisdom to lead you And you know what? Here's the thing. I believe that part of my calling is that God brings me into this place. Some of you come in and you're so give out, so wore out, so tired that you don't even feel like even being here, but you got dressed and you showed up, so we're glad you're here this morning. But God has called me to fan the flame inside of you. To blow on the embers that sometimes are getting weak inside of us. And just to say, "Holy," when I say that, the Bible says for us to stir up the gifts in each other. We need to do that come on we need to encourage each other we need to pray for each other but I believe this is part of what God is doing in us that's why 2 Timothy 1 verse 6 says this is why I remind you to fan the flames fan the flames of your own spiritual gifts that God gave you look at this what Paul said when he laid hands on Timothy every person here every one of you all of you are gifted you are called but I'm going to tell you whether you choose to use it or you don't choose to use it you have a gift you have a call and I'm here to fan that flame of that call I'm here to say you can do that you can greet at a door you can greet in the parking lot You can't. come on somebody you can lead those students you can lead those children God has called you yes you can play that instrument yes you can sing yes God is doing that work in you he has called you and the gifts are in you you need the Holy Spirit and I want to fan that flame in you you were made for more More than just paying bills and surviving in this life. And we got to get in our minds and understand that God has called us for more than that. Look at what he said in 2 Timothy 1 and 7. For God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity. Look at this. What did he give us? He gave us power. Love and self-discipline. All of this is a part of the Holy Spirit. Every time I pray, I say, Lord, I need to be a better husband. Come on, somebody. My wife Oh, to amen right there. Amen. I need to be a better husband. I need to be a better daddy. Come on, somebody. I just need to be a better person. Can I tell you that I can't do it on my own, that I will fail, that if it's dependent upon Tony, I'm going to end up failing. But if I will depend upon the power of the Holy Spirit, what God said inside of me, come on, I, I, what, what God has said, this is what I'm doing in you, this is what I want to do through you. Come on, Tony, you got to get up today. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Give me some thanks. Remember the cross. I want to take you to a place you haven't been to before. We know we need to pray. We know we need the power to operate. But many times we're trying to operate without the power of the Holy Spirit. And you will fail at it. Come on. We're seeing that today all over and over again. The next place that I want to take you get close. Look at this. Is a, is a, is a table. With 12 freshly baked loaves of bread. Me and my wife were talking about this the other day. I said, I'm trying to describe that. I wish they make these fragrances and stuff that you can now create. I wish I had that. There's one of them that stands out to me. Everybody look at here. Listen to this. When you went to this place, here, there's 12 fresh baked loaves of bread. I can think of Subway. You ever go on Subway and they didn't cook that bread up? And all you need is some butter. I don't even need your ham. I don't need your salami. I need some butter. Anybody on that page with me? I mean, that's me. That's me. You say, Pastor, that ain't good for you. I know it ain't, but it it make me feel good. (laughs) Slather that butter on there. Eat that bread. Don't don't bring me bread that ain't hot. Don't, Don't bring me bread that's hard like a baseball. I want some hot bread. You know what I'm talking about? There's a place, I'm not giving advertisement, they call it the home of the throwed rolls. And they throw these yeast rolls to you. Come on, somebody. People talk about old Charlie's uh, hot rolls. When you went into this place, there was these 12 loaves of freshly baked bread. And it makes you hungry. Can I tell you what that is? That table of show bread was the promises of God's Word. It's about God's Word. We know we need to eat physically. Don't we? we? When you leave here, some of y'all are going to go find something to eat, whether it's at the house or, or wherever it's at. But you're going to find something to eat because you're hungry. You want something to eat. Why in the world do we as Christians not eat? We want to come to church, and we want the pastor to feed us. And basically what he's doing is doing this. This is what they used to do in the old days before they had baby food. I know you're sitting there saying that's gross. But they didn't have Gerber all the time. And that's how they, mamas fed them babies when they got old enough to get teeth. And you know what we're doing? We're up here breaking the bread and we're chewing it up and we're giving it to you. But sometimes you got to put on your big boy pants and sometimes you got to take off the pull up and put on some big boy underwear. Come on somebody. And you got to get into the Word and you got to read the Word and you got to claim the promises for yourself. I can't give them to you all the time. There are times I won't be there. There are times your prayer partner won't be there. But you need to know what God's Word says for you yourself you need to get hungry like that bread that's baking because the word of God is like bread to your soul are you hearing what I'm telling you and you need it every day come on somebody Jesus said this in Matthew 4 and 4 it is written man will not live by bread alone but by every word that comes from the mouth of mouth of God one of the best ways to apply the word is to read it if you don't know how to start, get you a one-year Bible. Get on the U-Version app. There's tons of ways that you can find it. Well, I don't have time in the morning to read all the Bible. Well, then go over and read a little passage in the New Testament. Well, I don't have time for that. Well, go over and read just a few chapters in the Psalms. I don't have time for that. Well, go over and read one verse in Proverbs. Well, I don't have time for that. You're too busy. Because some words better than no words and you need the word for nourishment in your mm, I feel the Lord in this house. Come on somebody. We need to we need to stop saying Lord, I'm going to read your word and I'm going to figure it out and I'm going to figure Listen, let the word of God read you. Just say I'm not going to conform to the standard of the world But I'm going to live according to the word of God The word is the standard for my life And that's what I'm going to live by If it don't line up with the word Then I'm out of here If it doesn't line up with the word I'm not doing it If that's what you're asking me to do Listen to me young people If it doesn't line up with the word Then cut out Get out Do whatever you got to do Come on somebody Make like a dirty shirt And get out of there Amen Take it off Get away Go Off like a dirty shirt Man, need the word. Listen to this. The next place they went to, and I'm getting close on this, and we're going we're gonna to close this out, was this place, we're getting close to where the, the Lord is, was this altar of incense. This is the best pick I could find, y'all. I looked and looked and looked trying to find the best one I could find. It's the final piece of furniture that you find before you come into the presence of The only way I can share this, because I asked, I was like, Lord, I don't even know how to tell them what an altar of incense is. They understand something like incense. So I'm just going to say it to you this way, and some of y'all, if you get it, just just say amen, okay? Bath and body works. Bed, bath, and beyond. Y'all know what I'm talking about? They could blindfold some of you lady folks and walk you through the door, and you could say, bed, bath, and beyond. I know where I'm at. Here's the point. That altar, that place was a sweet-smelling place. Listen to this. It was the worship of His name. I'm learning, and I know there is. We like to do a lot of praising, but we don't do much worshiping. There's a difference. The altar of incense was a place where you worship His name. Here's something I'm learning. Pastoring now for a few years I, have a guy, I had a guy who came here for many years who told me one day riding in the vehicle with him, he said, Pastor, do you know why I came back to your church? I said, no, tell me. He said, the reason I came back to that church the second time or, or the third time was because the first time you met me, the second time you knew my name. There is worth in your name. There is value in your name. My name is David David. Tony Winkler. My daddy named me David after a missionary that was his best friend before he ever knew the Lord. I never got to meet him until my dad's funeral. I knew that I was named after a missionary to the Philippines. He lived his life giving to that country or to that place. But I went by Tony all my life. I'd go somewhere and they would holler, David, and I would not have a clue. If they sent me mail and it said David Winkler, they did not know who I was. You know know what I'm saying? Why? Because you, you, you identify and there's worth in your, are you getting what I'm saying? Praise is thanking him for what he has done. We need to do that. But worship is thanking God for who he is. Are you hearing me? Worship is all about God's worth. It's all about his name. It's all about the thing. Psalms 95, 6 says this, come, let us bow down in worship. You know what? We, when we come here for prayer, a lot of times I, I'm a pacer. My wife will tell you, if I'm on the phone, I'm normally like this. She'll tell you, I can't. She knows it. She sees me in the yard, I'm doing this. When I'm talking to the Lord, I'm pacing. I'll wear a path in the back of this church. I'll wear a path up and down these aisles. I'm a pacer. But at some points in my prayer time, usually about right here, at this sweet incense place of worship before God, I do what the Scriptures say, and I kneel down, I bow down. I don't do that much because as I begin to age, kneeling hurts. Amen, if you understand me. It just don't, it don't feel good like it used to, you know, get down and stay there for a long time. But at some times in my life, hear what I'm telling you. Come on, church. In your prayer time, you need to get low before the Lord. I'm not saying because I'm not saying because you don't deserve God. I'm not saying because uh, He hates you. I'm not saying because God's got a bad outlook on you. I'm saying that He is worthy for you to worship Him. Come on, somebody. Bow down and worship. God... Because if God had never done anything else for me, he's worthy of my worship. A person's worth is found in their name, and that's why the Bible gives God names. You can look all through the Bible. You can find out that he's shepherd. He's wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting Father. Tons and tons and tons and tons of names because his worth is in who he is, not what he has done. Let me say it again. We love to To praise Him for what He has done, what is in the past. But how many can trust Him for what He's going to do and just worship Him for the worth of who we know He is? If He never blessed you again, if He never did anything, if He saved you, that's all you ever needed to just worship Him. That's it. That's it. So we bow down and we worship Him. I'm going to try to bring this thing in. Psalms, uh, Proverbs 18.10 says this, The name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous run into it, and they're safe. As I shared with you this, and I'll share it again. I answer by a lot of names. I think the greatest one that I could ever say that I have. Those, those moments are the moments that I love the most I enjoy it when my kids just text me two of my sons text this I have two sons I have a son and son-in-law son in love. they text me this morning I enjoy it when they they just text me and I have one that does this pretty regular I, say, Dad, I, I didn't I didn't text you or call you or ask you for anything he, he'll do that I just want to say I love you see this altar of incense that's what that's This place we're going to go. And this was that place that many of we talked about in the beginning. It's the Ark of the Covenant. So we'll go into this little square tent. Two angels stretched over the mercy seat. That's where. We're going. We're here we're going to in the Old Testament, I couldn't even get there. It had to be a priest that. He don't believe the way I believe. He's still my president. So what? Am I, how do you? said we need to pray for them we need to pray for president trump we need to pray for our congress we need to pray for governor bryant the senators mayor george flags of vicksburg our law enforcement the people that were up all night making sure that you and i could sleep come on somebody we need to cover them in prayer i pray for my church overseers those in authority church administration our deacons our trustees in the church i pray for my family and she's my family authority. I have an older sister. I pray for my sisters. I pray for all of them. I pray for Bethany's parents who are still living. Why? they're a family authority. We want blessing. We want God to bless us. And listen, Jesus said, or the man that came to Jesus said, I'm a man under authority so I understand authority. Can I tell you something? I'm a man of authority, but I understand being under authority. And if I want to be blessed, then I better honor those that are over me in authority.